Hello, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. I'm Liz Wheeler. First of all, before we get started on the show today, if you haven't already subscribed to my show, please go over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, click that subscribe button. On YouTube, you can find me at Liz Wheeler Show. Hit that subscribe button. Also, if you could hit the bell on YouTube so that we can notify you every time we have a new video, a new episode, a new interview, I would greatly appreciate it. So guys, I fell down the rabbit hole researching a story that you might have seen already. The story is that WPATH, WPATH stands for the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. WPATH released a new set of standards. They call it a standard of care for how medical professionals should treat transgender people when they come in, not for general medical care, but for care related to their gender dysphoria or their gender discomfort. And so what I want to do on the show today is I want to talk about these standards of care. First of all, I want to talk about what they are, what they encompass, what is recommended now across the board in the medical community for people suffering from gender dysphoria, adults and children alike. I also want to talk a little bit about WPATH, the the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, and why they, of all places, this very biased, very ideologically leftist organization, why they get to set the standards. They make this stuff up. Why do they have so much power over our entire medical community, over every doctor and therapist and healthcare provider when these indiv- when these providers are taking care of transgender people, why do they have to obey the recommendations from WPATH? So doing research on this, I fell down the rabbit hole a little bit in regards to who founded WPATH and who WPATH relies on when they invent this criteria for how doctors are forced to treat transgender people when these people come in with gender dysphoria. So... I know I say this a lot. The whole thing is kind of bananas, but I want to just walk through it step by step. So let's get to it. Okay, first of all, I love Genucel plant stem cell therapy. I've used it all over my face and it cleared up the flakiness and even reduced my forehead lines. Someone even asked if I had work done. No, no just gen yourself. Thank you. That, my friends, is a testimonial from Samantha, who lives in Arcadia, California, raving about her remarkable results. Genucel has sold over 1 million products and counting to women and men across this great country of ours, and everyone falls in love with the results. Whether it's fine lines, forehead wrinkles, dark spots, even those annoying bags and puffiness, they're gone right before your eyes. And best of all, you can see guaranteed results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. You can see the difference for yourself today with over 60% off their most popular packages. This is a great deal that I got for y'all. If you use my URL, genucel.com slash Liz, it gets even better. If you go to genucel.com slash Liz now, we will include the brand new Genucel Hyaluronic Acid Serum as a free gift. It is a powerful moisturizing effect of hyaluronic acid that brightens your complexion and further reduces the appearance of visible signs of aging. Plus, all orders will get free express shipping. Who doesn't love that? So go to genucel.com slash Liz. It's spelled G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Liz. Genucel.com slash Liz. Okay, 
So WPATH, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, released their eighth version. They have released previous to this seven different versions. Their eighth version of standards of care for how doctors should treat patients who suffer from gender dysphoria. They call this standard of care for transgender and quote-unquote gender diverse people. And that phrase right there, gender diverse people, is sort of your first tip-off that this is not based on science. This is not based on an objective analysis of what is best for people who suffer from some kind of gender disorder. This is your tip-off that this is ideologically based because the phrase gender diverse is an invention of the radical left. Before we even get into the ideology of WPATH, I want to talk for a second about this phrase standards of care. So we've talked about this before in the episode that I did about pediatricians and how pediatricians are governed by the American Academy of Pediatricians. The American Academy of Pediatricians, the AAP, sets standards of care that pediatricians are forced to follow. There's not really individual judgment or discretion that is allowed for individual doctors. They have to treat according to standards of care. Otherwise, they face the possibility of lawsuits. And if they are sued for a bad outcome, which does happen because not only are doctors human, we don't have all the answers in the medical field for how to treat every single thing. There are obviously bad outcomes. If a doctor does not follow the standards, the standard of care, then that doctor can be liable under the law for bad outcomes. So doctors don't have a choice to say, well, you know, this is the standard of care, but this is my personal experience. This is what I would recommend. This is what I would do. They can't really do that anymore. Otherwise, they're liable. An example of this, going back to the pediatrician thing, is when you take your child to the pediatrician two, three, four days after that child is born, the first thing that the doctor, the pediatrician asks you isn't about your birth. It isn't about how the baby's been the past four days. The first thing the doctor asks you is whether you have guns in your home. And the reason they have to do that is because the American Academy of Pediatrics has set that as a standard of care that if pediatricians don't ask parents that question, then they're negligent in their care of this child. The American Academy of Pediatricians has ideolo an ideological agenda to ban so-called assault weapons, hence the question. They're trying to strike fear in the heart of parents. But this is an example of a standard of care, how pediatricians are forced to comply with this, and how it can be abused in an ideological way. It's often abused in an ideological way. It also, by the way, actually lowers the real standard of care, not the quote-unquote standard of care. It lowers the quality of care, because if you go to a doctor and that doctor has no individual discretion or judgment and can't use their experience and their wisdom, then you might as well just go to WebMD, right? If you're just using an algorithm set by some governing organization, it really takes the human element out of healthcare. So I understand wanting continuity, wanting best practices. I get all of that. Maybe standard of care at the beginning when it was invented or when it was applied to our medical system had good intentions. But now what we face is this ideological corruption using standard of care as the medium for that. Because standard of care, if doctors don't adhere to it, they can face legal liability. So that's, that's where I want to start here. So when I say that WPATH has released 
their latest version of standard of care, this is not just a radical leftist organization or a transgender lobbying organization that has said, this is what we think should happen when an individual with gender dysphoria visits the doctor. This is not someone's opinion. This is something that doctors across our country, the standard that they will be held to by the governing organizations that sometimes have power over the licensure of these medical providers and certainly have powers in the court if doctors are sued if there is a bad outcome. So when this kind of changes the whole picture for me, right? It changes it changes the power behind WPATH releasing their standard of care. So this organization is not the same as the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's not the same as the American Medical Association. It's specifically focused on transgender individuals or individuals that suffer from gender disorders. But all of these other governing organizations or many of the governing organizations defer to WPATH when they, the governing organizations, set their standards of care for doctors. For example, on the WPATH website, I'm gonna quote this to you. It says, professional associations that have issued statements in support of the WPATH standards of care include the American Medical Association, the Endocrine Society, the American Psychiatric Association, the American Psychological Association, the American Academy of Family Physicians, the National Commission of Correctional Health, the American Public Health Association, the National Association of Social Workers, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, and the World Health Organization. So that's a pretty comprehensive list that tells us that every therapist or counselor in this country who is licensed by or who practices under the umbrella of the American Psychological Association and the American Psychological the American Psychological Association and Psychiatric Association are required to adhere to the standards of care as set forth by WPATH. The American Medical Association, I mean, this is, this is basically everything except officially the American Academy of Pediatrics. But when I first read this list, I thought, oh good, thank God, the American Academy of Pediatrics hasn't signed on to this. But I did a little more digging and I found on the American Academy of Pediatrics that when they talk about the standard of care for how pediatricians must treat children who suffer from gender dysphoria, they reference, they, their citations are the standard of care from WPATH. So even though WPATH doesn't acknowledge the American Academy of Pediatrics as being supportive of their standards of care, the American Academy of Pediatrics themselves cites WPATH in the formation of their own standards of care for, for children that have gender disorders. There's also reportedly a little bit of internal strife at the American Academy of Pediatrics because there are pediatricians across our country. Obviously, every pediatrician is not corrupt. Every pediatrician does not want to trans your child. There are pediatricians that are pushing back against the AAP who's come out in favor of transing children when they are diagnosed with gender disorders. And these pediatricians are pushing back on the AAP for, for relying on WPATH, but the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, reportedly will not even listen and discuss the dissent of these pediatricians. They are ideologically tied to organizations like WPATH. So you can see the full breadth of power that these standards of care have. 
So now let's get to the actual standards of care. What are they recommending for individuals who have gender disorders? We're going to talk about that in just a second, but first I want to talk to you about Bambi. I like Bambi, and I think you will too, because small business owners, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had an issue with employee attendance? Have you ever had an employee altercation in the workplace? Have you ever been confused on how to handle a situation with an employee? Have you ever had employee performance issues? Have you ever stressed about navigating through HR compliance? Well, who among us hasn't? The bad news is that one complaint against your company can turn your, your whole world upside down. The good news is Bambi is here to help small business owners implement good HR practices. Bambi is an HR platform built for businesses just like yours, so you can automate the most important HR practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. This is how it works. First, Bambi's HR autopilot automates your core policies. I'm talking about workplace training, employee feedback. Then your dedicated HR manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of HR and guide you to compliance. These dedicated HR managers are available by phone, by email, by real-time chat. As you know, an in-house HR manager can cost up to $80,000 a year, which can be unaffordable for small businesses. But with Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just $99 a month. No hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. You run your business, let Bambi run your HR. Go to Bambi.com slash Liz right now for your free HR audit. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Liz. Bambi.com slash Liz. Okay, so now that we understand the full breadth of power that WPATH has when they issue these standards of care, how many of these professional organizations embrace WPATH standard of care and force medical providers to comply and adhere to these standards of care when people and from children to adult to adolescents to adults suffer from gender disorders. Let's talk about what are, what what does WPATH actually recommend? Recommend. Recommend is a gentle word here because really it's forcing these providers. So in version 8 of WPATH's standard of care, they start out by using words again that tip us off that these standards of that this standard of care is polluted entirely by radical leftist ideology. In fact, it's polluted beyond radical leftist ideology. It's polluted by outright Marxism. They use phrases like gender-affirming healthcare, which is redefining a phrase. Gender-affirming, if you define it as it is written, gender-affirming would mean that you look at a boy and regardless of how they're feeling, you affirm what their actual gender is. Or you look at a girl, regardless of how they feel that they want to identify, and you affirm the sex that she was born into. What Marxists do is they redefine words. They redefine words for two reasons. One, to push their own political agenda on us, obviously. And two, because it makes them the arbiter of truth. Whoever is the arbiter of truth becomes the authoritarian because they can change the definition of any term at any time related to anything to serve any agenda that they have. So gender-affirming healthcare is a phrase used in this standard of care. So is the phrase cisgender. Now, cisgender is something that's made up. Cisgender is a word that was invented by the LGBTQ lobby. It is supposedly a reference to individuals whose sexual orientation and gender identity match their body and their DNA. So you and I might think of a man and a woman, but to the LGBTQ lobby, if you are a straight man, then you are a cisgender man. And they don't want you to just be referred to as a man. They want you to have that qualifier that you are a cis man, a cis woman. Now, of course, 
cisgender is also used by the intersectional left. It's another branch of cultural Marxism because cis men and cis women are supposedly higher on the privileged totem pole than gay men or transgender women. And if you are higher on the totem pole than the Marxists, the cultural Marxists, who've been embraced by the radical left, want you labeled an oppressor. They want to then oppress you in the name of you being an oppressor. So gender affirming is a phrase used. Cisgender is a phrase used. And the most troubling of all, WPATH uses the phrase sex assigned at birth. Now, there is no sex assigned at birth. You were either born male or you were born female. The phrase sex assigned at birth implies that parents or nurses or doctors who are in the room when a child is born guess about what sex that child is. Just make, m make a guess based on the genitalia of that child. But the implication of the phrase sex assigned at birth is that sex and gender are two different things. That your gender is not correlated with your DNA and your body, that sex is purely how you feel and how you identify. This is not science. This is not medicine. This is quackery. And yet WPATH uses this phrase in their standard of care that's been embraced by all of these governing organizations that then force medical providers all across the country to adhere to these standards of care or else face liability if there is a bad outcome. In this standard of care, this version eight document, doctors are actually encouraged to tell people who are suffering from gender disorders, not just people, but children even, who are suffering from gender disorder, to bind their chest, that is to take a, a tight wrap to camouflage your breasts, to flatten them, so that you don't look like you have a woman's body. Doctors are told to encourage children to make sure that they know what genital tucking is, Genital tucking, this is graphic, I know. If you have children in the room, you might want to turn this down or put it in your ear for a moment. Genital tucking is exactly what it sounds like when young men are not only taught how to tuck their penises between their legs, but actually push it back up into their body. Now, this may be an obvious thing to say, but in this day and age, obvious things need to be said. This can be very dangerous for young men. And the reason that WPATH wants doctors to enlighten young girls about chest binding and young boys about genital tucking is purely because they want children with gender disorders not to be misgendered. So this has nothing to do with healthcare. It has nothing to do with medicine. It has nothing to do with the treatment of gender dysphoria. It has everything to do with politics. WPATH also advises healthcare professionals to push back on parents who are not supportive of transing their children. The word that WPATH uses is challenge. Doctors are supposed to challenge moms and dads if moms and dads don't want to put their seven-year-old boy on medication, hormone blockers that would chemically castrate him. When it's possible, WPATH tells doctors it's totally fine, sometimes even recommended, to prescribe 
puberty-blocking hormones to children without parental consent if it can be done. Again, this is not about medicine. This is not about science. This is the politics of the thing. And doctors across our country, medical providers across our country are going to be forced to to comply. When it comes to the actual mental health aspect, people that suffer from gender dysphoria or other gender disorders the majority of the time have significant comorbidities when it comes to mental health care, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's schizophrenia, whether it's bipolar disorder, serious mental health issues. And yet WPATH does not recommend mandatory counseling, even for children and adolescents, young people, before undergoing transing, whether it's hormones or surgery. They said that should never be made mandatory. That should just be optional. Again, remember the statistics. When children who suffer from gender disorders are not transitioned socially or medically or surgically, oftentimes, the vast, vast majority of time, over 90%, those children recover from their gender disorder by the time they reach adulthood. But of course, part of that is getting the counseling and the mental health care that they need to address their comorbidities. But WPATH doesn't have any interest and what's actually best for these children. Their interest is forcing doctors across the country, whether it's therapists, whether it's counselors, whether it's psychiatrists, whether it's medical doctors, forcing these doctors to push children towards transing hormones and then irreversible surgery. For the first time, WPATH included this version eight of their standards of care for transgender people and other gender diverse people. Again, that's their title, not my words. There's an entire chapter about eunuchs. Now eunuchs are males who have been castrated, like physically castrated, not just chemically castrated. Their their penis has been removed. This according to WPATH is a legitimate gender identity. WPATH is setting standards of care for doctors to react when young men or adult men, it always seems more awful when it's children, but it's equally awful when it's an adult. When boys, young men, or full-grown adult males come into the doctor's office and say that they're eunuchs, or that's how they identify, what are doctors supposed to do? Are they supposed to recommend castration? physical castration so that the man's body can match his supposed gender identity of being a eunuch. We're going to talk more about that in a minute because there is some deep and dirty stuff in the background of WPATH when it comes to this really, this twisted sexual fetish of being a eunuch. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But I want to talk first about the surgeries that are recommended by WPATH. It's not just genital surgeries that are recommended to trans people. There's a whole host of surgeries, meaning a whole host of profit opportunities for the medical industry to cash in on these people suffering from mental disorders. We're gonna get to that in just a second, but first I wanna talk to you about ExpressVPN. I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and our information safe when we're on the internet. When you go out online without a VPN, let me use an analogy here. Internet service providers can see every single website you visit, and they can legally sell that information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. So if you go online without ExpressVPN, it's 
like going to the bathroom with the door open. Yeah, you want to keep your business private. But when you use ExpressVPN, internet service providers cannot see your online activity because your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data is also encrypted for maximum protection, so you are safe. The app itself is super easy to use. You don't have to worry about being technologically savvy. All you do is fire up the app and click one button. This works on all your devices, on your phone, on your laptop, even your router, so that everyone who shares your Wi-Fi connection can be protected. I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and our personal information safe when we are online. Secure your online activity today by visiting expressvpn.com Liz. It's a great deal that I got for you. You can get an extra three months free if you visit expressvpn.com slash Liz. That's expressvpn.com slash Liz for an extra three months free. Okay, so the surgeries that are recommended by WPATH's new standard of care for transgender and gender diverse people are the, the ones that we're familiar with. A mastectomy, which is the removal of healthy breasts. A hysterectomy, which is the removal of a healthy uterus a vaginoplasty and a phalloplasty, that is the creation of a neovagina or a neo, uh, neophallus, which is a, a fake penis that they basically staple on the outside of an otherwise healthy young girl. So those we're familiar with. We've heard about these surgeries. We've heard about the enormous rates of complications that come with these surgeries, just really horrific stuff, lifelong health issues, because you really can't mutilate your body like that and expect it just to just to work, just to take, just to be. And it, it doesn't work. That's not how our bodies were created. But other surgeries that are recommended by WPATH are voice surgery to make your voice either more masculine or your voice more feminine, an augmentation of your jaw, of your face, to make your face look more masculine if you're a boy. Um, if, you're a, if you're a girl, and you want to appear as a boy, WPATH recommends that you get implants in your calves to make your legs look more masculine. Liposuction is recommended to contour your body into the shape that you want it. And then of course, there's the other cosmetic procedures that WPATH recommends as part of transing care. That would be a brow lift, a hair transplant, lip shortening, all of these surgeries, and as I'm reading through this list on this, this version 8 of WPATH standard of care recommendations, I think to myself, how much money is the medical field going to make off of the mental health issues of these people who are suffering from gender disorders? How much do each of these surgeries cost? How much profit does do hospitals and doctors and big pharma make off of each and every one of these procedures that is somehow medically recommended, medi insinuating that it's medically necessary for the treatment of gender dysphoria. Imagine telling someone that a jaw augmentation is a necessary part of your health care because you have, you have a, a mental health problem. In another world, we as a society acknowledge that people who had too much cosmetic surgery. They butchered their face until they were unrecognizable. They had too big of breast implants. They had, they had butt implants that were unrealistic. They removed their ribs so that they could have a tighter waist. There, there's always stories of young women who, who have so much plastic surgery to try to look like a Barbie or to try to look like Kim Kardashian. We acknowledge that this is a mental health problem, that they would try to mutilate their bodies to the point that they look fake. They look like someone they're not. How do you marry that 
that having plastic surgery to mutilate your body for those reasons is a problem. And then on the same, on the same, at the same time, we have recommendations from WPATH embraced by all these medical organ, these governing organizations of different aspects of medicine that say that, no, you need all this kind of plastic surgery to look like someone that you're not as long as you identify as gender diverse. This is, this is what's so banana, bananas. A couple of hours after WPATH released these recommendations, they issued three pages of corrections. Just a couple of hours after. You have to wonder who exactly called them up, where, where all the angry emails came from. But there are three pages of recommendations. I want to read some of the recommendations so that we can establish the pattern of what all of the corrections are related to. This is what they say. On page S48, the following text was removed. With the aforementioned criteria fulfilled, the following are suggested minimal ages for gender-affirming medical and surgical treatment for adolescents. 14 years and above for hormone treatment, estrogens and androgens, unless there are significant compelling reasons to take an individualized approach when considering the factors unique to the adolescent treatment time frame. 15 years and above for chest masculinization, that's a mastectomy, unless there are significant compelling reasons, et cetera, et cetera. 16 years and above for breast augmentation, facial surgery as part of gender-affirming treatment, 17 and above for mediodiplasty, orchidectomy, vaginoplasty, hysterectomy, and frontoorbital remodeling as part of gender-affirming treatment, 18 years or above for phalloplasty unless there are significant compelling reasons to take an individualized approach, et cetera, et cetera. Each of those corrections has something in common. What is it? They remove the minimum age requirement that WPATH recommended doctors adhere to. So that's page one. Go to page two. On page two, it says, on page S65, the following text was removed. 14 years and above for hormone treatment, 15 years and above for chest masculinization, 16 years and above for breast augmentation, 17 and above for vaginoplasty hysterectomy, 18 years and above for phalloplasty. Again, removing the minimum ages. Go to page three. On page three, on page S258, the following text was removed. The following are suggested minimal ages when considering the factors unique to the adolescent treatment timeframe for gender-affirming medical and surgical treatment for adolescents who fulfill all of the other criteria listed above. Hormonal treatment, 14 years. Chest masculinization, 15 years. Breast augmentation, facial surgery, 16 years. Vaginoplasty, hysterectomy, 17 years. Phalloplasty, 18 years. So within hours of releasing this new version 8 standard of care document, they issued this correction, the three-page correction, the majority of the corrections were related to removing minimum age standards, which means someone, some organization, some group, some lobby hit WPATH hard and said, we do not want age minimums for these procedures and treatments. We do not want to be told that we can't remove the healthy breasts of a 12-year-old when you've said that we should wait until that young woman is 16. We do not want to tell a young man that he has to wait until he's 18 in order to be chemically castrated. We want to be able to do that when he's 13. They removed all of the minimum age requirements, which means all the stories that we've heard that Libs of TikTok, for example, reported on Boston Children's, how they were or are performing 
quote unquote gender affirming hysterectomies on girls under the age of 18, as young as 15, 16 years old, that these quote unquote gender clinics at these hospitals will have no reason not to do this now. Because the official standards of care as set forth by WPATH, embraced by these governing organizations in the medical community, have removed the minimum age, age limits for these different medical procedures. So let's talk about WPATH for a second. How on earth did this organization get the power that it has? It makes sense to me when the American Academy of Pediatrics or the American Medical Association has the, have the power that they have because they have the power they have because of financial conflict of interest with big pharma. They have the power they have because they, well, have power over issuing or revoking licenses. They have power over providers because once they set the standards of care, doctors, if they don't adhere to it, then doctors can be held liable. But WPATH, how on earth did WPATH get the power that it has? So let's go back to the beginning. WPATH was founded by a man named Harry Benjamin, Dr. Harry Benjamin. Who is Harry Benjamin? Well, Harry Benjamin was, I hate to even call him a doctor because I think he's, he's the definition of an evil doctor. He's someone who abused medical science to mutilate bodies for his own titillation. Dr. Harry Benjamin was actually a contemporary of John Money. John Money was the doctor who transed kids who actually ended up killing themselves. John Money was famous for the Reimer twins experiment where the, these babies, these infants, were twin boys, were circumcised. One of them suffered a botched circumcision, had his penis damaged to the point that his penis had to be removed. And John Money suggested to the parents, well, why don't you, why don't you surgically and hormonally transition this little boy into a girl, raise him as if it's a girl, and he'll never know. So John Money was in charge of that horrific experiment, which failed completely. First of all, Bruce Reimer, who was the baby who lost his penis, who was trans by this doctor and the parents, ended up having severe psychological distress being raised a boy, not, or being raised a girl, not even knowing that he was actually a boy. His parents ended up telling him when he was in high school or when he was an adolescent that this happened, he detransitioned from a girl into a boy, but he suffered such severe mental health issues that he ended up committing suicide in his late 30s. His twin also committed suicide by overdosing on drugs. And these children were severely sexually abused by John Money. He showed them pornography when they were six years old. He made them simulate performing sex acts on each other. He had them strip out of their clothes for genital inspections, he called them, and he took photos of them while they were naked. Very, when I say classic sexual abuse, I mean horrific sexual abuse, but it's, it's classic behavior of sexual abusers. This is exactly what sexual abusers do. John Money was a sexual abuser. However, the importance of this story aside from the tragedy of the thing, the tragedy of the humanity of the thing, is that John Money lied about the observation of these twins over the course of their lifetime. He lied about it to the medical community. And it was because of John Money and his transing of one of these twin boys that sex change, this, whether it's hormonal, social, surgery, that it became an accepted medical thing because John Money lied about the results of this experiment. If he had actually told the truth about what happened, 
maybe we wouldn't even be dealing with what we're dealing with today. We might not even, this might not be an accepted thing in our nation. The medical community might outright reject it, but it was too late by the time the medical community discovered the truth. It was already ingrained in their standard of care that this could be done, that you could socially, hormonally, and surgically transition someone from the quote-unquote sex that was assigned to them at birth and that everything turned out fine, that doctors could actually play God and determine someone's sex based on outside interventions. Dr. Harry Benjamin, the founder of WPATH, was a contemporary of John Money. He actually worked with John Money. They met on a monthly basis, and patients of Dr. Harry Benjamin, he referred to John Money, who founded a gender clinic at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Harry Benjamin was also associated with Alfred Kinsey. You might recognize this name from the very famous Kinsey reports. Alfred Kinsey is a sexologist. A sexologist, oftentimes it seems like sexologists are individuals who have sexual perversions who are simply trying to use the power and the influence of the fact that they have a doctor prefix in front of their name to make it medically, culturally, socially acceptable. That's certainly the case with Alfred Kinsey. He told his coworkers that they should actively engage in as, as much, as many sex acts as possible so that they relate to their patients. And as perverted, and as, sec, as perverted of sexual behavior as they possibly can, he himself filmed sex acts with coworkers in the attic of his home. He was bisexual in an open marriage he had sex with young men who were his students. Alfred Kinsey was sympathetic, if not outright accepting of pedophilia. Alfred Kinsey wrote reports on children having orgasms as young as infants a couple of months old. And he based this quote-unquote research on interviews that he conducted with a pedophile. And yet this was accepted by the medical community as being legitimate medical research. This man was a pervert in his personal life. He was a quack in the medical field. He was dangerous and he was evil. And he was associated with Dr. Harry Benjamin, the founder of WPATH. So you can see the underpinnings of this organization, how it was corrupted from the beginning by John Money, an evil quack who ushered in the idea that doctors can perform sex changes on people, and Alfred Kinsey, who sexualized children. Suddenly, the recommendations in WPATH's standard of care make a lot more sense, don't they? This is the underpinning of the entire organization. So fast forward to today, Dr. Harry Benjamin is long dead. But who does WPATH as an organization consult? Who are the experts that they rely on for the recommendations in this standard of care document? A feminist blog called Redux conducted an investigation that they published in May of 2022. I'm going to post a link to their full investigation on Locals. You can, you can find that. I'll post it for free for anybody who wants to go over there. You don't have to be a VIP. You can just go over there and click on the link if you want to see their full investigation. Redux conducted an investigation 
and found that WPATH consulted members of a forum, an online forum, and this forum is called the Unique Archive. What is the Unique Archive? The Unique Archive is a sexual fetish forum that focuses on castration. So the sexual fetish of the sickos who are members of this group, they get their jollies by either being castrated themselves or by castrating others, including castrating children. When I say there's an element of pedophilia in this, Redux got access to the VIP part, not just the public part, but the VIP part of the Unic Archive and found that they have a section called the Fiction Archives where people post, members of this forum post their sexual fantasies. In these sexual fantasies posted on the Unic Archives Fiction Archives section, there are fantasies of sexual abuse of children. In fact, you can choose what category of fantasy you'd like to read in one of the categories is minors. The president of WPATH approached longtime members of the Eunuch Archive Castration Fetish Forum to consult on the standard of care for people whose supposed gender identity is a eunuch. Three of these forum members were invited to speak by, invited by WPATH to speak on the eunuch gender identity. And these eunuch archive castration forum members are cited by WPATH in their standard of care. This is sick, sick stuff. This standard of care is being embraced by our medical community. It's being foisted on doctors who against their will are forced to adhere to these standards or else risk the liability of a lawsuit of not providing care that is the standard of care for quote unquote gender diverse individuals. If we don't expose the corruption in the medical community, from big pharma to the governing organizations like the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, the American Psychiatric Association, and all the rest, then what we are going to face in our country is the only healthcare that we're going to be able to access for our children is going to be this. Over on Locals today, I have a message for Governor Ron DeSantis, a few suggestions, nine suggestions to be exact, of where he should send migrants next. Join us at lizwheelershow.com locals if you want to weigh in on where DeSantis should be sending these migrants. lizwheelershow.com locals. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show.